0: live right now man it's going down siding for the season you know we're coming off a playoff win i mean
1: you know we had a couple wins
0: winning game four at least pride wise made me feel good because you don't ever want to get swept
1: i'm indifferent to him whether or not he signs it i'll be uh hitting me work for the next next five
0: years if you ask me can the bucks win game five i put it at 40 percent confidence yes to think that, that a season is championship or bust is is um, certainly not the way we've approached it. At this point, we don't know what's going to happen. You can get game six. You can steal it. Championship or bust. Winning games six and seven. Championship or bust. I don't think they're going to win the whole series, but... Th-
2: there is no enjoyment with this team.
0: Hello, and welcome to the who Podcast, episode 93 as you can tell, this is not Adam Paris, co-managing editor of Brewhoop.com. Adam decided to take a week off, which makes sense, and I can't blame him. But the good news is we have the return of Riley Feldman. Riley, how's it going?
1: I'm doing well, Kyle. It's been uh it's been a long time, and by a long time I mean a week. Uh, I was busy trying to do this work certification thing that I survived, thankfully, last Friday. I think I passed, so that's good. Um I had this like almost months long or month long hiatus from watching Bucks games. I just like couldn't really get up the energy to care. I uh, couldn't really get up the energy to watch the games, but I'm back. I'm locked in for the stretch run of the final 30 to 40 games that we have this season <laughs> in the regular season. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: And because Adam is not here, we do not have Van who came in last week and did a great job. So we appreciate him for that. But we do have a special guest. The other co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com, Mitchell Maurer. Mitchell, how's it going?
2: Hi, thank you for that rousing introduction. It's going well. It's going well. April's been a pretty busy month for me personally. I actually, I didn't tell you guys this beforehand, I got finally paid off all my student loans.
1: Nice. By which I mean, Congrats.
2: my wife, who handles the budget because I can't be trusted with such things, <laughs> submitted the payment for my student loans to get out from under it. And uh, I feel very good having uh, having that burden off my shoulders and now ready to reburden myself with something else
1: do you think it's a possibility that your wife has been that she paid it off years ago and she's been siphoning the funds off to somewhere else like oh yeah don't worry about that honey like I took care of the student loan payments and she's been kind of shoveling it like a little savings account
0: like a 529 yeah. for the kids <laughs>
2: I, I didn't no, she, wouldn't, <laughs> she wouldn't do that <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna come off camera for just a second. I gotta do. Something. <laughs> <Yeah>. Please, please. <laughs> and we're, so- we're, we're
1: we're gonna edit this after the fact, and and we're back. Uh, Mitchell's back. Everything's good to go, folks, and uh, we can continue on with the pod this week.
0: Well, one team that didn't have to worry about siphoning off payments is the Milwaukee Bucks, as they had a very, <laughs> I'd say, good week. They've been able to have improved health, which led to improved wins. So the first game was last Sunday against the Orlando Magic, who they crushed 124 to 87. The Orlando Magic are not that great, and that's kind of the tough part. But Chris Middleton filling in for Giannis, 21 points, 8 rebounds. He did not an 8 of 13 shooting, so pretty efficient night from him. Bobby Portis had 16 points, 10 rebounds, did shot 4 of 6 from 3, so that was kind of impressive. Milwaukee was shooting the ball well. Overall, they were 19 of 40 from the 3-point line and did not trail the whole game. On the Magic side... There really wasn't much because there's not much left on that team, but Mo Baba had 21 points from the bench, and he apparently could shoot, which led to me being called a casual because, to my amazement, a below-average shooter hitting threes, while we shouldn't know that as a Milwaukee Bucks fan, I don't know what else to say about it. But, Mitchell, what were your thoughts on the very ho-hum, straightforward victory?
2: I think ho-hum is probably the best way to summarize it. The Magic aren't good. And then they went ahead and traded away all their good players uh, at the trade deadline because they're finally embracing the rebuild, which has been long overdue. And just they're they're just a team on the schedule that doesn't really present much of a challenge. Like if you had if. If I had to pick out like their top three players I wouldn't even think of Mo Bama because I don't think Mo has got that high of an upside in the league after what we've seen from him. And some of that's his fault, some of that isn't his fault. But, like, Terrence Ross is still on their team. Michael Carter-Williams is there. And Markel Fultz was hurt, so he would obviously be in the conversation. But, like, they just, they, there's just not much there. There's not much there. I didn't really give it much more thought. And, uh, and yeah. So you can tell that I really put a lot of time into thinking about mm-hmm. the Orlando Magic.
1: I uh, I didn't watch the game at all. That's So I'm back to form in terms of that for the podcast. So I'm looking at the starting lineup right now for the Orlando Magic. So Wendell Carter Jr., Dwayne Bacon. I had no idea Gary Harris was part of the Magic. I thought he was still with the Nuggets. James Ennis and Michael Carter Williams. Which of those guys, you can choose any one of them to take from the Magic and put on the Bucks? Who are you taking?
0: It's got to be Gary Harris. Well, ooh, wait. He's That's a good
1: that's a, I mean, I'm not saying no. that's a playoff starting, starting five, but you know, that's a strong group to try and pick from, right? <laughs> I, I'd probably, it,
0: it would have to be Gary Harris.
2: I would be interested in exploring Wendell Carter Jr. Just as a, because he's a young, big, and you know, there's the, you can never, never have enough looks at a prospect like that. Gar- Gary Harris, like definitely fills the the clearest need that the Bucks have. But, yeah, it's, ooh. <laughs> it's,
1: a, it's a tough roster. And I, the correct answer this is you guys were both wrong. It's Michael Carter-Williams. You want somebody who already knows how to play off of Giannis, plug-and-play. He looks like he might be good on defense, which is really what we're all about. So I think uh, you guys might have been wrong on that. It was MCW all along. But it's a tough situation <laughs> Orlando. Yes, they traded everybody away. Um Part of the issue is their two young guys, both sustained catastrophic knee injuries. So I mean, it's like the re- <laughs> the rebuild. I
2: don't know.
1: It's a tough t- It's been a tough 21st century. Was, when was the last time the Magic were good? Just whenever Dwight was there, the Dwight
2: Howard era, I guess. Which yeah.
0: is which? When they made the finals? Years ago
2: now. Yeah, no, they made the finals. They beat LeBron uh and the Cavaliers to get there. Like that Magic team was good with Hedo Turgoglu, JJ Redick, Jameer Nelson, Richard Lewis. Like that was a good team. That was a really good team. But they just haven't really had much since then.
1: Thus concludes our Orlando Magic retrospective part of the podcast.
0: Yeah, there, there really isn't much to talk about. Again, very straightforward. Didn't trail the whole game, which I thought was kind of funny, because normally you would think maybe Orlando would have gotten, like, the first bucket or, like, an early three to take, like, a lead for 10 seconds. No, it just never happened. <laughs> the lead just continued to increase as the game went on. It was... It was not fun to watch just because they're just not good. But another team that is not good, part of the the reason is their own rebuild, was the Minnesota Timberwolves, who the Bucks had beat 130-105. to This game, more notably, was starting early. It had started at 330 due to the curfew after the police killing of Dante Wright. So Minnesota had called off the previous game on that Monday. Um, They were able to play the next game, but... Again, very straightforward victory for the Bucks. Chris, 27 points, 8 eight rebounds, 7 assists. Brooke, 18 points, 8 rebounds. Malky had 18 fast-break points. But I think the biggest thing was P.J. Tucker had returned, and he only played 10 minutes, but he was back in the starting lineup. So, Mitchell, I don't know, because of the game starting early, how much you were able to watch, but what are your thoughts on the Minnesota timberwolves Bucks game?
2: Yeah, I only got to see the first half, Um and so I, I know they were missing Carl Anthony Towns, which obviously makes them even less potent of an opponent. Um, but yeah, this is this is very much a taking care of business uh, game against a team that didn't really have the horses to keep up with the Bucks and their overall level of talent. P.J. Tucker coming back after a 10-game absence from that calf injury was notable, and his ability to get reintegrated and his just overall activity level, like the, the, the number of screens that he sets that look like they physically hurt the other player just coming into contact with him is an element that the Bucks just don't have. And so getting him back and into the swing of things so that he can contribute more consistently, especially as Giannis also comes back, is gonna be really useful. But yeah, it's very similar to the, the magic game. Like the Timberwolves just simply aren't good right now. They were missing one of their best players. No, they're clearly, their best player. I shouldn't even like. I can't oh, yeah. put Anthony Edwards, Angel <laughs> <Andrew laughs> yeah. Russell, or any of <laughs> these other guys on that level yet. Um, they've got some young pieces. Like they might turn into something at some point. They're just they're nowhere near it right now.
0: Yeah, the thing I like, no. I was gonna Sorry. say, they definitely are a couple of years away from maybe getting into that playoff conversation. It's just going to be tough. They have to draft well, which knowing Minnesota's history won't happen. So. Yeah. That's all I got for that. Riley? The
1: uh, the thing I like most about P.J. Tucker, um, the P.J. Tucker experience in a very limited sample size we've seen. Um, if you go through all of his box scores, I mean, it's like Tony Snell, but a couple of rebounds, you know, it's like zero, 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 three rebounds, zero, zero. I appreciate that he even in a game like this where the Bucks are totally blowing the doors off the Timberwolves and it's like, all right, P.J., you're back. Play 10 minutes your other option on the floor is you and Sam Merrill. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to stick to my role anyhow. And I'm going to be in the corner. I think that's, you know, I I think that's a good sign of um, he's very cognizant of the role that he's going to have to play. And that played out in the other games he played this week as well, against the Hawks, especially um, where it's like, no matter who the personnel is, what I'm concerned about now is trying to figure out what my place is going to be like physically on the courts, no matter who's around me. And so, Um, Even in a game like this where it might be tempting for a guy, a veteran, to be like, who gives a damn? I'm just going to, like, shoot five, six, seven, eight times from all over the court. Um, Sticks to his place. So good for you, PJ. I like that.
0: Yeah, the game was kind of sluggish at the start. Both teams were not able to hit any buckets whatsoever. It was a typical 3.30 p.m. starting time. And Minnesota, surprisingly, was able to stay within it the first quarter just because they were able to hit threes. Anthony Edwards, God love him. He tried his best, but you can only do so much, and he had 24 points on 8 of 21 shooting. That kind of, I think, explains how everything went for the Timberwolves. They didn't have much. Carl Anthony Towns missed a game, personal reasons. Around, I think this was around the one-year anniversary of the death of his mom because of COVID, so I think he took some time off there. I don't know also how much Minnesota was mentally in it, considering the events that happened just a little bit further north Um, as well Um, but it's kind of tough I think it's hard to fully evaluate this kind of went similar to the magic just because this team they don't have the talent that's there and when even when their best talent is gone it makes it a little bit tougher Bucks kind of did what they needed to do I think it was interesting how much of the bench Budenholzer went with not because of the game being a blowout just because I think maybe he had one eye on the following night over in Atlanta where Bucks played a competent team, and they still won 120 to 109. And the most notable thing about this was Giannis returning. He came back, played around 25 minutes, had 15 points, five rebounds. Drew Holiday chipped in 23 points, seven assists. Pat Connaughton shot the ball well. Brook Lopez had a double double. Unfortunately, with one player coming back, the Bucks did not have Dante Divincenzo, and it didn't matter because some guy on the other t- side that. We, the Bucs would have had, instead of Dante, had 28 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. He shot the ball really well. But you know who didn't shoot the ball well? Trey Young. He struggled. But Mitchell, um, if you had to describe what it would be like to be guarded by Drew Holiday, what would it be?
2: Uh, so, so I, uh, every morning, I swear that there's a point to this, so bear with me. Uh, after we had our second kid, my wife and I, after you know navigating the first couple of months terribly and hating everything about life because just one baby is hard, two kids is twice as hard. Uh, we finally came like. to the we, we finally came to the agreement that we were just going to switch off mornings. Like your morning is today, my morning is tomorrow. Like you're the one that gets up with them, takes them downstairs, gets some breakfast, you know, kind of gets the stuff started. And The other one gets to come down at like seven right it's a good system it's been working and so this morning was my morning and so like they came in and invaded the bedroom and you know woke me up and i went back to sleep and i had a terrible terrible nightmare terrible nightmare that like i like i'm not going to i'm not going to hide it i was crying in real life because of how i was sobbing in the dream because it was just i'm not even going to speak it into reality of what like i dreamed about i imagine that's like part of what it's like being defended by Drew Holiday Because it's just, it just, it feels like it's all consuming. Like it's not just that he can deny the ball. It's that he can force you to go where he wants you to go. And it's going to change like possession by possession, even within the same possession, like the ball swings around and comes back to you. Like you might be getting a completely different approach from him and his strength, his quickness, his knowledge of which angles to take to, you know, again, force you to spots that he wants you to go like, it's just I words struggle to describe just how complete his defensive effort on Trey young was. And like Trey young, isn't like an all NBA player this year or, you know, one of the like the top five players in the league, but like on offense, he's one of the most talented guys in recent memory. Like he's just a tremendous talent and to see him get stifled. So, so cohesively by drew holiday and you know the bucks help defenders also like did their part to make sure that drew could do what he did so well was just, you know, a real eye opener.
1: I, th- I would agree with a lot of that. The, what I enjoy watching about drew is he gets assigned every night to whoever the toughest usual perimeter player on the other team is. And that can be somebody as big as LeBron James, or it can be as somebody as small as a Trey young or a Steph Curry. And, Like Mitchell said, he's got the Drew Holiday's got this combination of like knowledge, skill, strength to be able to change his approach. And if you watch during the Hawks game, so many times where either Trey is on the ball or especially if he's off the ball, and I remember this early in the season against the Warriors, Drew will just like knock over either Steph or Trey or whoever it is. Like he's like, You're not going to like just freely get to wherever you're going. And it's not that those guys aren't able to then collect the ball and still be potent offensive weapons anyhow, but the fact that he's able to knock them a little bit off of their rhythm um, and thereby throw off anything that the Hawks could get going through that guy. And, and part of it was like even when Trey had open looks, he was just clanging it anyhow. And I know he was off for a couple of games for injury. Um, so, so it might not have all been just Drew, but it, it's just a it drives home the point that it doesn't matter the type of player the size the speed um there are guys who maybe would be able to jam a player like Trey Young but then Trey's quicker than them or he's more agile to get around them anyhow after he recovers and Drew because he mirrors guys so well and plays off of his fellow defenders so well um you know it, it's just impressive to watch and it, you know the usual comparison is like what's Eric Bledsoe like Eric would be able to jam the guy he would be able to do that but he wouldn't necessarily have the agility or like the quickness to be able to keep and mirror in front of the guy and thus even after that first jam he couldn't keep up maybe the guy would be able to recover Um, that's not the case with Drew and this game in particular against the Hawks really drove that home I think
0: yeah Trey Young only took three three three-pointers which I think was the most shocking part about that because when you think of Trey Young he's someone that can get his shot off really quickly so the fact that he only had three three three-pointers is a good testament to Drew's ability out in the perimeter. And then when he got to the paint, he was 3 of 17. And whether it was Drew Holiday blocking a shot, Brooke Lopez blocking a shot, Giannis blocking a shot, like there was someone there to more or less double team him. I mean, he had 15 points, but that's because nine of those points were free throws. It, it was that kind of night for him. And I think because of that, it allowed Solomon Hill to really get the open looks. And Solomon Hill had a good shooting night. He was 6 of 8 from 3 between him and Bogdanovich they were the only two on the Hawks that were really causing problems for Milwaukee like the third quarter I think was the weirdest part because Milwaukee had gone out to that good lead and within the first like five minutes it was gone the Hawks Mm -hmm. were just hitting everything left and right they took the short lead and all of a sudden Milwaukee was up like 19 points (laughs) I think that was kind of the funniest thing for me I was like oh they're losing okay well that's fine they'll They'll get back into it and all of a sudden Bucks are up 19. What? <laughs> Didn't yeah. did not expect that. Um, um at least for Milwaukee, it felt like it was a more balanced effort. Like you can tell Giannis wasn't hundred percent, but he was still able to get to the rim. He was still able to do what he wanted. He was seven to twelve, so he's still getting shots up. Fortunately, Chris Milton did not have a good shooting night, but I think overall he was making the right decisions. And I mean, having nine rebounds and seven assists kind of shows that he was able to, even though his shot wasn't fall, he was still making the right plays. It, it, Drew Holiday was Drew Holiday and Brook Lopez were kind of the two guys that really stepped up for Milwaukee on the offensive end. And I, I guess Mitchell, what was your impression? Oh, or Riley, one of you, what was your impressions on the Bucks' offense, especially in that third quarter? Well,
1: my question was going to be
0: to you guys: Brook Lopez back? I'd say so.
2: I think so. I think Brooke Lopez has yes. that.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, he's been really, since the all-star break, he's been defensively, I think the biggest problem before was Brooke Lopez rim defense was not as good as it's been. And I don't want to say he wasn't good. He definitely had moments where he struggled, but I would say it wasn't as good as it was. And now we're seeing that turnaround and he seems, at least defensively, he seems to be getting back to that level that he showed last year.
1: I think uh, the fact that he's hitting threes at a good clip, that's, uh, that's super helpful, too. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's all the way back on defense, and part of it is still that we're still doing some switching, and there are still times where, like, all it takes is two screens and, like, a double switch, and the bucks are like, oh, sh- oh, shit, I don't know. Who are you supposed to guard? Drew, you go get that guy. Save us, Drew. And so that leaves Brooks still a little bit of on, an, uh, on a bit of an island. Um, but, yeah, he's been... Quite good on both ends of the floor. These yeah. couple I, weeks. So shout I, out to you.
2: I think with I think with Brooke, and especially his defense, like people people treat basketball too much like it's a, an individual game because we have so many individual metrics and there's such a focus put mm-hmm. on trying to find this one number that quantifies an individual's impact on the game. But it is still very much a team sport, obviously, and you know, especially on defense, your teammates are going to determine like what your defense looks like. And in the case of Brooke Lopez, like so much of what he does as a rim protector is gonna be determined by the perimeter players, all the guards and the wings and where they allow their matchups to go. I I know Mm -hmm. one of the things that people have been very quick to complain about, which I don't think is unfair either, is the Bucks tendency to overhelp and to pack the paint at all costs, which is how, you know, we were just talking about Solomon Hill hitting six threes. Like that's part of how that happened. But when you consider the different types of defenders that they have, like Drew Holiday is an all NBA level defender. He can do everything. He can do anything. But the other guys, like Dante Divincenzo, who didn't play in this game, he's like kind of that second side, like sneaky. You know, you know, shoot the passing lane and try to come up with a big steal. He's a gambler. Um, Jeff Teague, who had a very good game against Atlanta, former team. So a little bit of a Jeff Teague revenge game, I'm sure for him. Like he's a lot more positional in in the way that he plays defense because he doesn't have great size, but he you know he at least knows how the game is played. Bryn Forbes is a better NBA defender than I am, but you know that's not saying something. So, yeah. but I think that the way that guys get funneled to the paint to Brook. Um and it's not just the guard deal. Like Giannis is habitually one of the biggest defenders when it comes to overhelping. he yeah. has been forever because that's you know how he became Giannis and how he became a terror. Uh, and so I think that, that goes into that goes into a lot of how we consider Brooks' defense. And when we consider how he fell off on on that side of the court this year, maybe, you know, he is definitely a step slower. They are putting him in a position to switch a lot more, which is not what his forte is. But also the Bucks' other defenders in the aggregate aren't as good and are doing things that just you know kind of put the onus on Brooke to either have a great game like he did, or to you know not always come through to be able to rescue things. And my son's trying to break in, which is not appreciated.
1: <laughs> um, I think all that is well said by Mitchell. I think also if you want to, I know it's not fair to these guys because they're not in the starting lineup, but if you want to see the quality of difference, where okay, the system. The way they're trying to play defense is similar, but it's just you can tell the difference between a guy of Brooks level versus somebody else. Watch the possessions where it's uh, the Pat Connaughton, and Bobby Portis pick and roll defense, whereas, it, I mean, it was just uh, – it was an automatic bucket every single time down. I think – I don't know some Goodwin guy. I'd never even heard of him for the Hawks. Or like Bogdanovich would be on the ball, and they'd be either fine. Um, is it Hunter? Is that his name? Or Knight, sorry. Kevin. Nathan Knight, for example. Oh, okay. I thought you meant Kevin no, Herter. No, no, no. So they were just like, wh- whatever big was out there, Capella, whoever. Um, it, Bobby's already, you could tell the difference, who's better in the zone drop. Clearly, Brooke Watch Bobby for like five seconds. He's just not the interior defender. He tries. I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't try, but it's just like the positioning um, or like going straight up isn't there the way that it is for Brooke. So you'll see the difference there. And then also watch a guy like either, watch a guy like Drew funnel his def- his defensive assignment versus watch a guy like Pat try to like flail around And there's like the communication is so critical if you're not talking to each other and you'll just you'll give up easy alley oops or easy passes to whoever the role guy is. Just watch the personnel change when Bobby is out there versus who he's playing next to versus like a Brooke. Yes, it's not the same for Brooke, but the level of the difference is so much between those two guys alone. And they're not exact players. But if you're looking for a carbon as close to a copy as you're going to get for comparison's sake, that's what you should look at.
0: It's also really tough because Clint Capella is probably one of the best roll men out there. Like when you're doing a pick and roll and you have Clint Capella as the other one, it's really difficult to try and stop him. So yeah, when you go with Brooke, who can at least understand the zone drop, he can at least cause enough issues where it's not as easy compared to Bobby where he's trying, but by the time they, him and Pat figure it out, Clint Capella is already at the rim. He's already got the ball. He's getting a lob. It's definitely tough with a guy like that. And I think, you know, he had 16 points. He pretty much dunked everything that was out there. He was getting the offensive rebounds. But when we talked about the overhelping, it was kind of funny because the Milwaukee Bucks tend to overhelp. And I think that's just more individual mistakes while the Hawks overhelp. And that's just by design. It's kind of interesting seeing the two different contrasts. And it's like they're both overhelping, but it's like different reasons. And I think that is why, someone like Pat Connaughton can go, you know, four of take 11 threes which good lord that is a lot for Pat Connaughton. He made four of them, so good job on him. But, you know, Brooke Lopez was able to get some threes off. Bryn Forbes, he, he at least had the looks. They just, I mean, he, I think he started all five from three and all of those were open. It's not like he forced any of them. It, they were just not falling. So, I I think the third quarter was definitely kind of a everything that could have gone wrong for the Bucks did. But everything turned around within an instant and you know that's probably a good thing any last things about this game from either view mitchell or riley because i feel like this was the most interesting game because this could be a playoff preview as well yeah yep um
1: my my final question for you guys just just right now where you're at dante or Bogdanovich? which one would you want which would you rather have
2: I mean, if we th- if were thinking about the entire package, like, contract, age, mm-hmm. that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Bogdanovich yeah. is definitely a better player. So I guess if you're ju- if the name of the game is just to collect tower and figure it out later, I'd take Bogdan, I guess. Uh, I like how Dante fits. I like how Dante has acclimated himself to the fifth starter role. Um, but if all else being equal, sure, I'll take Bogdan.
0: Yeah, I think okay. it depends on the situation. Is it you need to build a team? Cause I would go with Dante because his contract right now, his contract is low enough that you can try and flip him for an improvement. Like they tried doing for a guy like Bogdan. <laughs> they did everything they could. They were they like, tried. Oh wait, <laughs> they tried. They really gave it their all. Yeah. But I think the tough part is like Bogdan can score and that's not questioned. We saw it. Bogdan can score better than most players in the league. But when you consider the defense, when you consider, and Van was talking about yesterday, how there's not a lot of guys in the Bucs that really go for rebounds. And Dante is probably one of three that do. And that's something that I think is very important for them, especially when Brooke Lopez is primarily boxing dudes out. And when you don't have Giannis out there, you need someone to get those rebounds. And I think Dante has that. For a fifth starter, for the role that he needs to play, I lean towards Dante for the all encompassing package. Now, if I need someone for a seven game series, I'll go with Bogdan. But if I need someone for a season or to build, you know, for the next two, three years, I'll take Dante because of the lower contract. You can flip it. You could do something with it. And he still provides yeah. very good value for a fifth starter, or you can have him be a six man. If you wanted to experiment
2: yeah. with it. If if you're sharing the floor with Giannis, Drew holiday, Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, I don't know how feasible it is to expect 20 field goal attempts in a game.
1: But think about how cool those clutch points tweets where it shows like the starting lineup was like, who's beaten this with like the steam coming out of the nose emoji. Think <laughs> of how many tweets we would have gotten like that. It would have been cool. No, I think you, your guys' points are correct. The only thing is if Dante could just make layups out of like a better clip. That's literally the only thing that's like annoying about Dante is like he's so good at cutting. He can like get free because everybody else is paying attention to all the other players, and it'll just he just doesn't finish at the rim sometimes and that's annoying. But I, I would tend to agree. It would have been cool in theory to be like, you know, like a two K situation where it's like how many, how many name dudes kind of get in the starting lineup? But we don't live in a two K world. So uh ultimately it's probably okay that Dante's around. Okay. That's my last point on the Hawks game. Didn't help that Bogdan probably had like his best game of the season, couldn't miss anywhere on the floor and was like dying people up, so uh, I, I can't imagine Bucks fans, if you're worried still about Bogdan, I can't imagine every game for him is like that. So uh, don't get too bad well, out
0: of shape. Also, don't it. be mad at the Bucks. Be mad at Adam Silver because he's the one that said, no, this trade cannot go through. The Bucks did what they needed to. They tried. They really yeah. tried. And someone, yeah. either Bogdan's agent or the Kings, screwed it up.
2: Or Woj to reported Woj. it before. It maybe it should have been reported. And that just well, Woj is a, a bum. Yeah, Woj bum.
1: Well, sure. head.
0: Hashtag yeah. uh, but unfortunately, the to end the week of games, the Bucs did lose to the Memphis Grizzlies, 115-128. Giannis, again, looking better and better. 28 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. The starting lineup did a good job scoring. I mean, Chris had 16 points, and Brooke had 17. Drew had 17. Bryn had 19. But where things went wrong for the Bucks is their bench only had 18 points. And the Grizzlies just dominated in the paint sixty points there, and they had twenty fast break points they they had a goal and they accomplished it. I did not watch this game i you know I kind of feel like I'm glad about that, but Riley, you watch this game so how did that go?
1: I did watch the game it was uh it was ugly it was not a lot of fun um, so the thing that I learned from this game, is, Kyle, you were just saying about Atlanta that by design, the Hawks were overhelping. Um, and it's not that the Grizzlies were overhelping, but this is another one Is it's like, look at the personnel and the execution. The Grizzlies were so aggressive on offense. It, like, no matter who the ball handler was, especially if it was Chris. Chris had, had, yes, he scored. He, like, had the 16 points, but it was a forgettable evening from Chris. Uh, how many turnovers do you have? Let's go look. Um, it it was a... Only three turnovers, really? Yeah. Oh my god. I don't. I don't
2: know how so, that's possible either.
0: So sixteen. That is impressive. That Chris only had four, but then again, it was a, it was a joint effort. I mean, Chris had three. Yeah, I mean, Giannis it, had four.
2: Yeah,
0: Drew had two. Everyone had almost everyone that played a significant minutes had a turnover.
1: So in this case, so Mitchell, you asked last night when we were watching the game, did the Bucks lose this game or did they get beat? And I think I came to the conclusion that they got beat. It was just like such yeah. a dynamic performance from Memphis on defense, especially Um, Chris. It, it didn't matter who, unless it was like Drew was okay, but it didn't matter who the ball handler really was bringing it up the courts. Um, they would just get like blitzed the entire quarter, like right across the half, uh, half court line. They'd have like two, one yeah. or two defenders. It was just, it was a really, it was a, awesome performance from Memphis, especially coming second game on a back-to-back. So, um, yeah. I'm not sure if I just learned that Chris cannot dribble all that much in traffic and probably, I, I think I came to the conclusion that he should not be the primary offensive creator or like set starter anyhow, especially if Drew is out there. I'm not sure why Chris is bringing the ball up. I know Drew doesn't like handling ball, but have Giannis handle it when he's out there. Have Drew handle it when just Drew and Chris and Chris create, have Chris do other stuff. He, he doesn't have to be on the ball. So I, I was confused by that a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. We just got our asses handed to us for the most
2: part. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. Uh, like, you know when you guys, when you play pickup and you match up against that one guy, I'm like, oh, this this guy's just a pain <laughs> in the ass. Just uh-huh. a pain in the ass. I feel like all five of the Grizzlies starters from that game fit mm. that description. Like, jo- John Moran is a great player in his own right. He also is a pain in the ass. Kyle Anderson is maybe the one NBA player that I could beat in a foot race. And like, I'm not super slow, but I'm not NBA fast. and Kyle, He's just super slow, but he's like the way that he plays and the way he uses his physicality to be effective somehow. And then that's not even considering Jonas Valanciunas, Dylan Brooks, or Grayson Allen, who hit seven threes, which is super frustrating. I mean, good good for him to have a great game like that, but just – Ugh, playing them and the the energy they play with, you know. Shout out to Taylor Jenkins for getting this team up to to take down the Bucks in pretty convincing fashion. I was I was covering on Twitter yesterday and I made the observation that playing against these Grizzlies is a lot like an ocean inspection because if you don't have all of your eyes dotted and all of your t's crossed and every single thing just like exactly where it needs to be, they're going to exploit it. And that's exactly what happened, because there isn't any one thing that Memphis did that you can point to that's an obvious indicator of why the Bucks lost. Like, no, they just did all the little things, and they did them very, very well, and they executed, and as a result, they just beat Milwaukee. Like, this is this is one of the few games this season where the Bucks like, flat out got beat. They didn't let the other team get hot shooting. It wasn't, like, an outlier game from three or anything like that. They just got beat, and that's it.
1: Yeah, the uh, and I think Van said yesterday in the chat, he had the stats up. I think they lost 60 to 40 in terms of points in the paint. So uh, if you want to go back to this, <laughs> so Brook Lopez giveth, Brook Lopez giveth, or giveth, taketh away. Um, I'm not sure if I've necessarily blamed just Brook because there was like Valanchunas, like either like bunny hops, like turnaround jays. It wasn't necessarily like Brook wasn't going straight up and defending. But as a unit, not only did the Grizzlies outclass the Bucks on the defensive end, but then on offense, just for whatever reason, it, part of it also was the bench guys as well. It's just no stopping them. No stopping them inside. They they knew that there was no stopping them inside. So they're like, we're just going to keep going inside. And Grayson Allen hit threes. And I think, was it Xavier Tillman? Again, another guy. He's a rookie. He looks 35 years old. Uh, I would hate playing against that guy. And he, he could not miss. Uh, it was just like... A rounded out performance. It didn't matter who was inside for the Grizzlies; they were scoring like at will. And if that's going to be the case uh, for a team like the Bucks, where their whole thing is we're just going to try and keep your points near the rim at a minimum, and then on the other end, there wasn't—I don't think I remember a single easy basket all night long, except for like Giannis stole the ball once from Valanciunas, like dunked it. That was the only easy basket all night long. Otherwise, it was like laboring. It didn't matter if it was Drew, Chris. Giannis whoever had the ball it was a pain to try and get any sort of open look
0: well that's when I was when I was looking at the box score it was like okay I mean Giannis had 28 points on 10 of 18 so that that's not bad okay we'll take it but Chris had 16 on 13 field goal attempts Drew had 17 on um 11 field goal attempts so a little bit better Brooke had 13 attempts only 17 points and it's just just looking at it, it's like ooh, this is yeah, that kind of shows you have to work on it. And then I'm looking at the bench, and I mean, Pat Conte was the only one taking shots. I mean, P.J. Tucker, got he did his role, two of six from the field, one of three from three. He had six, six rebounds, so P.J. Tucker did what he needed to, but mm-hmm. yeah, it just felt like But I also feel like Bud went with a shorter rotation in this game, because I'm just looking at the box score, and I mean, P.J. Tucker had 22 minutes, Pat had 25, and Jeff T got 13 but they're
2: they're behind all game they were trying to come back
0: right and i think that had something to do with it i mean Giannis still was under 30 so maybe he's still somewhat being managed but you know i was surprised there wasn't more you know jordan war i'm surprised there wasn't more bobby portis i'm surprised there wasn't more like guys that can get baskets maybe in not the most efficient way but at that point it's like Maybe just try and throw it out there, but it it was interesting just checking the box score and seeing. You know, Drew Holiday played thirty-eight minutes, which great, but I'm also it also concerns me.
1: The the main issue was that even though the Bucks lost and they were getting outclassed, because the I mean, the Grizzlies were scoring a lot. The game was still only like twelve points, so it wasn't like totally out of hand. We were like, oh, we'll just let the rookies go out there and see what happens. It was still within reach enough, where it's like, well, if we can just sort of get our heads out of our asses for a couple of possessions. We might be able to win this thing. And it did seem like going in at the end of the third quarter, Pat hit that like last second three. They immediately gave up the buzzer beater, like Dylan Brooks, I think on the other end close to close the third is like, well, that's like the game in a nutshell is you finally get a break. And then the Grizzlies come down and immediately score right before the quarter ends. Um, my one question for you guys on that. Kyle, I know you didn't watch, but maybe more so for Mitchell are you did this game coming out of it are you like concerned for the bucks overall to see them get i don't know it's just it's always tough when it's one opponent but like they got so all class and it didn't seem like the grizzlies they executed really well but it didn't seem like they were doing anything overly crazy besides just like really crowding whoever the ball handler was are there any long-term concerns for the bucks coming out of this game
2: I think that that's a tough question to answer because you can never use one game as like a barometer of everything especially when they're not even the same conference and you are dealing with your superstar coming back off of a minutes restriction from a you know a serious absence with that knee injury. Like if you try to look at the trend of just the last week, like where would you guys if you had to guess, what was the Bucks ranking overall in the league for defensive rating
1: over what over what for,
2: for period, just sorry. for just the last week, just the last the four games we've talked about? See, and it's also kind
0: of tough because I went into this week thinking the Bucks are going to go 2-2. Two and two. They're going to win against yeah. the Magic and Timberwolves, but then lose to the Hawks because that was on a back-to-back. And I figured Bud would have right. done a restriction. And then the, Memphis always plays Malky tough. We have to remember that if it wasn't for a Drew Holiday buzzer beater, That's they true. probably would have little lost that two, team yeah. as well. Yeah. So Memphis is just I, one of those tough teams. But, okay, defensive rating.
2: Just guess. About, just seven? ballpark what what their what the ranking is. Yeah, 7 Okay. Riley. 30th. Uh,
1: no, I'm just kidding. 8th. Uh, 2nd. They have oh, the 2nd best big.
2: defensive rating. 104.1. 2nd only to the Washington Wizards. Which is funky. But now, nice. here, let's flip it over. Let's Exalted over company
1: it. we're with. Yeah.
2: Offensive rating. Just really quick. Again, same time frame. Where do you think the Bucks ranked for offensive rating over the last week? The last four games?
0: Uh, I'd say 3rd. 6th. 3rd.
2: Kyle has it right. Third place, so like they're a oh, top three it. team on both sides of the ball over the last four games. So like, are you gonna look at that overall trend and like, oh hey, the Bucks are playing some of their best basketball of the year, or are you gonna look at them getting just plastered by the Memphis Grizzlies, who I don't want to say this with a neg- with the negative connotation that comes with it, but they're a bunch of tryhards. And it's not a, that's not that's me- not meant to denigrate. That is because they are literally trying very very hard and they're putting forth maximum effort, and the Bucks either i don't think that it wasn't even that they weren't prepared for it is that they just didn't handle it well they just did not mm-hmm. handle it well it, it affected their shooting because they shot very poorly overall it affected their control of the ball which is why they had so many turnovers and just they couldn't get over the hump in this one game and so i think that getting getting hit in the face like that is maybe a good experience going into the playoffs when that is kind of probably be the norm and so thinking about, okay, well when we when this happened and we handled it this way and this was the result, all right, well maybe let's focus on this this other aspect of the game instead, and you know, maybe you'll have a different result. So to answer your question, no, I'm not worried necessarily. I, I did but this is a noticeable loss, a noticeable loss.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think for me it's kind of a it's tough to fully evaluate because as we're saying, they've won three games prior to this but they two of the teams are terrible, so it's hard to fully gauge what to get out of it when two of the teams are very, very bad. The win against the Hawks was notable. I think the win against the Hawks was kind of like the opposite of this loss to the Grizzlies, where you have a team that tries very hard. They're very tough. They have offensive weapons to make it tough to keep up with. The Hawks were also playing really good basketball for the past month. So you get that win, and that's good, and it was on the back-to-back as well. And then you kind of get the opposite where you're at home against the Grizzlies and they kind of hit you in the mouth. So I'm not concerned, but when you I think if you have teams like Miami, teams like New York, teams like Charlotte, they're going to try. They're going to try very hard. They're going to hit you in the mouth a few times so that it's more how you respond to that in the first round compared to, you know, obviously, you know, you're going to get that from Philly. You know, you're going to get something like that from Brooklyn. But these other teams, where it's like, okay, how, how much are you expecting that? And we don't know. So I think that's going to be, I'm not too concerned, but it's tough to take much from a lot of these games when they're playing either bad teams or they could just be, this could be a one off. And Memphis is a team that always plays you tough.
1: It's always it's always difficult in games like this where it's like uh, yeah I would rely over a seven game series of you're going to be able to outlast the try hard team over a somewhat like long lengthier sample size but like I said Mitchell good lesson that uh, if you show up and the other team tries more sometimes it's, that's going to be enough and they, they have enough talent obviously to beat any sort of team. So those two combination, we just kind of look like a little bit like in comparison to Memphis, especially like a bunch of old ass dudes. And you know what? We are a bunch of old ass dudes. Giannis is getting old and weird now, you know, Brooke is old sort of, you know, it's just a bunch of old guys where they didn't want to get up for Saturday night. It happens. So yeah, that's probably ultimately good lesson to know. You'll get your ass handed to you by anybody if you're not careful. So, uh, Good lesson, Bucks. Good job. I'd like to think that's what Bootenholzer was doing. Seven D chess. He's like, I'm gonna leave you guys out there. Get your ass handed to you, Chris, and pass the ball to somebody else, please. Give it give it to Drew. Let him do his thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. So those are the games of the last week. Obviously, again, three wins is pretty good. Like, can't complain about three wins. And now for the other topic I wanted to bring up to you guys, because we have about sixteen games left or thirty, however you feel about it. I think too many. <laughs> that's still the answer. But as we saw, Giannis and P.J. Tucker are returning from their injuries. Dante is now out for who knows how long. I don't know if it's going to be the same thing as both Giannis and Tucker, where they're just going to take their time. We've seen Boone and Holzer do complete everyone's getting a night off at one time. Now Milwaukee's schedule gets a little bit tougher, and they have some bigger games coming up, so who knows. But how do you think Milwaukee should try and balance this home stretch of games? and how do you and do you think they'll do it? Mitchell, do you have any takes?
2: I don't. I actually I don't know the answer to that question. I feel like because obviously we're in unprecedented times just in the world, right? And the Bucks set this expectation in the last 2 years that they were going to be regular season mom stars and just roll through everybody. And a lot of what and we talked about a little bit before we started recording, like people got so confident in their regular season competence and also going into this year, knowing that the past two regular seasons have not worked out going into the season, wanted to use the regular season as basically a laboratory for the playoffs and prepare for the postseason and get all of the different things that undermined the team the last two times around squared away so that they were just better equipped to deal with it this time around. And so I just, I just don't have a feel for what they should do. Like Giannis ostensibly is healthy. At least he says, I have no idea. The guy could be playing on just with his knee duct tape together and he would still be able to give you, you know, 30, 15 five because that's who he is. Uh, Chris Middleton is obviously in a funk right now and has, has been just had a lot of up and down performances overall, where it's like some parts of his game have been good. His passing, especially has been really good, but his ball handling, not so much. His shot hasn't been falling, so I don't know what his deal is. Dante is got a toe injury. He's missed two games, so maybe that's just rest. Maybe that's he's actually hurt and he needs time to recuperate before he gets reintegrated. So I just I want them to I want them to win games because I'm a fan. I want them to beat Philly because they got two games with Philly coming up, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. I just don't know what they quote unquote should do. I just, there's so much that I just don't have a feel for. We're just a weird part of the season right now.
1: Here's what I want to see. So, um, I don't really care too much. I know, um, Budenholzer is going to do whatever he wants in terms of resting guys. I think it's okay to continue to rest some guys, give Giannis some more rest. You need to treat this back-to-back against Philadelphia. And then a week later the back-to-back against the Nets, that is your finals. Uh, whatever you can do to get fully equipped for that game, you need to pull out all the stops. And I know we're all like, Oh, you don't want to give the other team any sort of film at that point. By the time you get through the first round of the playoffs into the second one, if you're worried about the amount of film being out there against your like two matchups with that team being the difference maker as to whether or not you're going to win the series, you got a big problem. So I want to see the bucks. Th- those are the four most important games to me. How do you come out of those games? How do you perform in them? Can you have full strength, do whatever rotation you want to do? That's what I would like to see. All the rest of it, um, like, for example, I think they have a four-game road trip. Um, It starts at the end of this week. So Atlanta, Charlotte, Houston, Chicago. Uh, Atlanta and Charlotte are like playoff teams, Chicago in the playoff running, sort of? But they've been awful they're since the trade deadline. They're contending in the playoffs. Yeah, like, right yeah. now,
0: they're sitting tenth, But, I mean, they're starting to fall away from the pack. Like, they're, yeah. five, they're four and a half games out of that last playoff spot. I don't know what the play-in game parameters are. I don't understand the play, But, yeah, they're yeah somewhat there.
1: So, so, your mix is, like, your two contender teams, the Sixers and the Nets. Everybody else is sort of, like, either out of the playoffs completely um, or sort of in the back end of the pack. Um, You need to pull out everything for those games. If you need to rest Giannis all four games of that road trip prior to the Nets game, do that. But Giannis needs to be ready. I want to see him, if he's able, physically able to play as much of a full game as possible. Um, Those are the only games I really care about the rest of the season. The rest of it, we're so far ahead of the Hawks. And like we were just saying, they've been playing well, but they're still wishy-washy enough as is the rest of the back end of the East playoff wise that I'm not worried about the Bucks losing third seed. At this point, I highly doubt they're going to get the second seed. They've kind of been within reach, but never really gotten over the hump. And so third seed's fine by me. Just play well in those games. Play your whole rotation. Play your ideal uh, you know, game plan on both ends. I know that's not actually going to happen. Chris, Drew, and Giannis are probably going to sit on like the second Sixers game because Bud is a big troll. But that's what I would like to see most, um, and those are the most important things to me.
0: Yeah, I think for me, it's more you have to be cognizant that they've played like a guy like Chris has played a lot of games. You know, Drew had his bout with COVID, so he was out. And while that's not the same as, you know, being getting being injured, you would still have like that's less on your legs. That's less on your body muscles. And well, not your muscles, but like, you know, like at least you weren't putting your body through a rigorous thing in that aspect. He's still like COVID. That still, you know, mess with them mm-hmm. in other ways. Giannis had his knee, so he has been sitting out for six games. He's had that break. Dante had, has been the same way. So, like, Brooke and Chris, it's kind of like with them, maybe we need to be a little bit more cognizant, give Chris more of those nights off. I mean, I know Chris has the nights off where everyone's out, but I'm talking, like, those two games, like, in two weeks, where it's, like, the Rockets and the Bulls back-to-back, Chris probably doesn't need to play in those. Save him for the Brooklyn games. Later on, I think they have a back-and-back back against the Spurs and Magic. You know, we don't need to put these guys through these type of games. You're still four games ahead of Boston. You, you're you probably fine, like you said, Riley, getting that third seed, so there's no reason to push it. Stay locked in that third seed. Play the games that you need to play, but at the same time, give some of these guys a little bit more of a break because once the playoffs start, we're probably going to expect them to play like somewhere from 35 to 40 something minutes. Like they're going to play a lot of minutes and they're going to put a lot of mileage on those legs in a very short period. So that's what I would say. I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think there's a right answer or a wrong answer. That's just what I would love to see. But you know, especially those second years of the back to back probably could just go with the throw Jordan war out there and let him get 25 point kind of game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, th- you're right. There's no right or wrong answer. Um, I won't get too high or low. But if we lose all four of those games against the Sixers, then that's, I will call this team a whole bunch of bums. Let's play with some self-respect team. I know you guys are listening. Play with self-respect in those games, please.
0: There we go. There we go. But we are going to take a quick ad break. And when we come back, we will do our miscellaneous topics. And we are back. So, Ryle, it looks like you have the rapid fire questions to throw at us, so take it away.
1: I do have rapid fire this week. So, uh, in honor of there being 30 games left, actually 16 games left, PJ Tucker right now has played in six games since he, we traded 30 first-round picks for him. <laughs> do you think, in this regular season, he will play more than 10 regular season games for the Bucks?
2: Oh, absolutely. He he's only got, what, okay. he's, he's only got four left? Yes, of course he's well, going to play it. So he's going to sure? play a quarter hey, of the games. Is, I,
1: don't, I don't know. His calf's kind of, he's kind of acting up a little bit. His calf, he's been, he's been sidelined a little bit of this, a no, little bit of that for a while. No, no, you don't no, think it, so?
2: No, so what would happen with PJ Tucker is that he was, he did have a problem with that calf in Houston. He was able to play through it, but the Rockets were shitty. And so he has this pride about his ability to play through injury and get minutes, and also, like he knew that you know, okay, well, I'm probably gonna want to get out of here somehow, whether it's through trade or maybe they buy me out or whatever. Um, so I still have to be out here so that teams know that I'm capable of playing on the end in an NBA court. And then you know, things finally came to a head. They shut him down, and. Then he got traded in Milwaukee and the Bucks training staff finally got a look at him. He re-aggravated that calf issue because it had never really gone away. they get you know, they, they gave him that 10 game break because they needed to do the treatment and get him right. And I think he's probably at the point now where he's way closer to being healthy with regards to that calf injury than not. And so I don't I don't see any reason to expect him to not play the majority of the games from here on out. Maybe he'll maybe he sits on some sagababas. Babas. Maybe they limit his minutes elsewhere to keep him fresh for the playoffs because he is older. But no, I think he's fine.
0: I'll say over because if he needs to play what four more games, so Mm -hmm. that's a quarter of the he has to play a quarter of the games really in the season. I think (laughs) I feel confident that he'll play in three of the four games against Philly and Brooklyn.
1: I just I just asked that because I got it was so funny that he showed up and was like, okay, we'll see what he's got left in the tank, and like we have to shut him down for ten games. That was just funny (laughs) that that happened. Um, okay, how do you guys take your coffee?
2: So, I have, this is a very good question. Not too long ago, maybe four or five months ago, uh, I switched to completely doing cold brew. I used to have a French press I would put and you put boiling water into and heat it up that way. But no, no more of that. Coarse grind at the store in the big, dirty grinder that they have in the coffee section. <laughs> Community grinder? Ride? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, disgusting, but what else What else is new? Uh, you uh-huh. put that in a big old pitcher of water in the fridge overnight. It, the, it is such a much – it's a smoother <laughs> feel, and it's just much, much nicer. Um, and then I actually add heavy cream. My coffee, not too much.
1: Yes, but yeah, it, yes. It's,
2: it's a very Wisconsin thing, where I add a little bit of heavy cream on it, and it just like, like the pillows of, <laughs> of of fat that's in there just kind of explode <laughs> outwards, and it's a wonderful experience. It's very smooth, very tasty, uh, but it's allowed me to completely cut sugar and any sweetener whatsoever out of it, and so that Good. I think is a win by itself. Although my cholesterol is a bit high.
0: Hmm. It depends on the time of year. Like right now, now that it's getting warmer, I'm going to shift towards cold brew. Kind of the same thing. Like I do enjoy it. I don't use the community grinder. I will go to Costco and just buy a bulk bag of grounds just to do that. I am not touching that community grinder at any grocery store. I don't even want to go in a grocery store during this pandemic, let alone yeah. using the that. Co- so. The community
1: grinder was already a little iffy pre-COVID. Now it's like, mm, I know it doesn't spread via touch, but still I'm like, I don't know if I want to We really shouldn't be
0: doing I, this, guys. (laughs) right like i gotta go in there and do this no thanks so i'll buy the bulk bag at costco so during like warmer months cold brew i do love french press i need to buy another one because i think my old my current one is starting to run on fumes of over usage during this pandemic so that's what i'm that's where i'm at french press when i need something hot cold brew if i want to have it sit overnight for any any, summer day
1: any cream or sweetener for you or you go black
0: I just go straight black. I, I don't like putting cream. I don't like putting cream. Well, okay. Cold brewing might change my mind because my problem is when I put cream in my French press and it's hot, then it gets cold too quickly. So that's my, that's always been my issue. But maybe in a cold brew, I'll consider heavy cream. I I have put creamer in cold brew before, but I've not done heavy cream. So I might try that. Yeah.
1: We, uh, we last winter when COVID was really hitting, we were like, you know what we should do? We should just buy an espresso machine. So I drink espresso now because I'm, I'm bougie like that. I, I make a latte every morning. It has like little Ooh. steamer. It's really, it, my technique is primo. So if you guys are, anybody's ever up in St. Paul, let I me mean, know. Oh, I'll make you a nice latte. But uh, generally, oh, I put a little lovely. bit of yeah, I, actually, milk, I actually had my first
2: latte. I had my first latte ever maybe like a month ago. I just, I'd gone through life and I never ordered a latte for myself. I it's think something like,
1: if you're if yeah. you're used to other coffee, you're not going to be a place like oh, today's the day I try the latte right. or like any <laughs> of the other stuff. Yeah. It really doesn't jump out at you. It
2: was very pleasant. I haven't it was had an espresso since I my did. honeymoon. Yeah.
0: Wait, what was that, Kyle? It said I haven't had an espresso since my honeymoon because that's like what they do over in Europe and Africa uh-huh. and stuff. Like they do espressos; they don't do like the giant thing of coffee. It's just an espresso, and you have it to go. So it's been a while, but. Yeah. I am not bougie enough to have an espresso machine. I still have a child with a second one on the way. I don't have time for an espresso.
1: <laughs> Here's my next question What is PJ Tucker's actual first name?
2: It's not I'll, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Exposed.
1: It's not PJ. <laughs> it's for, it does not start with a P. I'll give you that. Uh, PJ is a nickname, from what I gather, yeah. for Pops Jones or something like that.
0: Whatever I feel like means. it's gonna be something like Adam or Andrew or something. Wow. Like I feel like it's gonna be. something You're so like- close.
1: You're so close right now.
2: I would. I would have. I would have never guessed. I did look it up because because I'm a cheater. Um, mm. I was gonna guess like Philip, which is very much <laughs> not a name that fits it. But the, the answer doesn't fit either. I was yeah, Kyle. You were real close.
1: You were his his real first name is Anthony. Oh. Anthony Leon Tucker is his uh, legal name. All right. So, huh. cool. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, okay, are you, you know? team contacts? Oh, yeah. Are you team contacts or team glasses? I am are I'm you interchangeable.
2: Enough. Yeah. So, I'm lucky enough that I don't have. I, I just have my eyes. Oh, my human eyes, see, I, I was worried, I
1: was worried about bringing that up. I was like, what if one of these guys has perfect vision?
2: Nope. <laughs> the concept of contact lenses freaks me out so much. Like, not even just the fact that you're taking a little piece of, mm-hmm. it used to be glass which is terrifying, now it's plastic <laughs> and they mold it <laughs> properly but you're, like, you're putting it on your eyeball that's weird, but what's weirder than that is at some point, somebody in a room said I wonder if this will work you know, like that's weird mm-hmm. that's a weird thing to do, it's a really weird thing to do, so if I was not a neutral party in this conversation I would be team glasses all the way Yeah, I'm
0: team glasses. Like, my eyesight is good enough. Like, right now I don't have contacts. Like, I can at least see each of you, and I can't read anything that's on the screen. (laughs) Like, the uh, Google Doc that we have for the outline, I have it, like, large at the moment because I'm just too lazy to go upstairs to get my glasses. But the idea of contacts, like, first, yeah, trying to put in your eye. That sounds difficult and terrible. Then you got to keep it clean and you have like buy contact solution. And if you lose that contact, like your contact like falls out of your eye on the floor, Mm -hmm. then you're just blind. It's Mm -hmm. too much work. I'll take the glasses. Like, let me just put that on my face. I like wearing glasses. I don't know. It, it's fun. I don't know. To me, it's like kind of fun to do it. And you can at least have like a special, like blue, like a blue lens. to like help with computer screens. Or for me, it's like, I can at least read shit, which Mm -hmm. has been always my biggest struggle.
1: This is, this is a podcast after my own heart. Obviously, uh, people can't see now, but I always wear glasses. I The idea of putting plastic in my eyes, no thank you. I like the fact that you can do a little bit of styling with the glasses. I know without glasses is a style as well, but it gives you an extra accessory. Um, and yeah, the idea of like I take this plastic, I put it in some liquid. I'm going to take it out and put it back on. No
2: thank you. Yeah, so yes. it's wet you plastic. With that. You're putting yeah. wet plastic <laughs> in your eye hole. And like, yeah. and I heard that sometimes they can get lost. Yeah. And that, oh, yeah. That just, or if you forget yeah, to problem. take them out. Oh, I'm God. never
1: going to forget to take my glasses Oh, that's off. the thing. Emma <laughs> can go
0: – the funny <laughs> thing is Emma will go like days without taking out of context. Like, that can't be good for you. It's not, and she's like, that's it's fine. It's not, good. not
2: good. <laughs> good. I feel like you need to have a conversation with her. I've yeah. tried. I've tried. Oh, my God.
0: Okay. I just need the All kids right. to be old enough so that they can they won't destroy the glasses the second they have them in their hand. I, once we're there, I think we're fine.
1: <laughs> Certainly, he's like, uh? I'm like, I'm sorry about that, Dad. My bad. He has Sure <laughs> he has. <tried. laughs> sure, yes. All right, my final question. Then we we'll gotta ask Adam, Adam this next fire. week. By the way, we will uh, because he he sometimes is on with glasses, sometimes is off. I'd be curious. Final True. question: Do you know what Brook's three point percentage
0: is this season? I'd say thirty seven. I, I feel know. like it's not as bad as people think. Like I feel like thirty seven. 37 okay
2: I'm gonna guess 35 and a half percent
1: very close 34.9 percent so far in the season that
2: low yeah oh. I thought it was definitely yeah. better huh I think he's he,
1: if I was restricted to like after the all-star game I think he's been playing a lot better the early part of the season I think killed him because he was like yeah. still stuck in like the high 20s I was like Ugh, well I think are you doing this again
0: I figured like okay maybe it's lower but I thought fi- I figured he didn't take that many threes and that was going to be the problem. That's why I thought it may be 37, because I feel like even though he struggled, he didn't take as many threes. I could be wrong. He's at his lowest per game attempts
1: from three as a buck so far um, in his three seasons. So he's 36.5% for his first year on 6.3 attempts, 31.4% on 4.8 attempts last year, and 34.9% on 4.4 attempts this year. So it's the Brook Lopez three-point train that we're riding on. So that's my rapid fire for this week. Not that All rapid, right. but that's okay.
0: Perfect. I do not have a film review because I've just been watching Property Brothers and House Hunters and <laughs> I've watched trashy reality shows, basically. I've not... A- i stopped watching movies. Um, Mitchell, we decided to bring you on as well, and we wanted to ask oh, no. you this one question. Why, why do I want to leave Texas? Why am I glad to leave Texas? We're going to give you a minute or two. Go oh, ahead.
2: <laughs> I mean, if we're just going to avoid... If we want to not offend too many people, and I say offend with the biggest air quotes, uh, and just stay away from politics, there's plenty of reasons why leaving Texas makes a lot of sense for me. Um, I mean, so I, other personal news is that I'm, I, I also did get a new job in my current company, and so I'm going to be moving to California at some point. We're looking at like August right now. Um, it's so damn hot it's so damn hot in the Mm -hmm. summer and the summer is long in Texas. Like it starts in May and it doesn't end until October. And it's just a long time to be dealing with 95 plus degree heat. And like, I didn't have to mow my lawn for months and months and months because it was dead because it didn't have what it needed (laughs) to grow and sustain life. Uh, So that's definitely a big part of it. It's also just, Like, I I like Austin very much, and I've spent a little bit of time in San Antonio and Houston, and, like, the cities are good. It takes forever to get anywhere. Like, last week, I took my son to – my oldest son to Lowe's just because I had to get a thing, right? And we were gone for, like, an hour and a half. Like, I'm getting back to the car, (laughs) and I get a text from my wife, like, where are you? Did you get an accident? Are you okay? It's like, well, no, I had to go here, and it's, oh, it's 20 minutes to get to the store. And then 20 minutes Mm -hmm. to find what I was looking for in that godforsaken place. This is a home improvement Mm -hmm. warehouse. And then 20 minutes to find somebody to ask the question that I had because I'm an idiot and I can't answer it myself. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. to find out they didn't even have what I needed, even though it's their store brand. So if anybody out there has a spool cap for a Lowe's brand electric edger, I would really appreciate it because I need to list this house and – the, the weeds along the fence line are just out
1: of control. I think this, this was a very valuable section. Thank you, Mitchell. All we ever hear about, all as non-Texans, is how great Texas is. You can stroll up, you can give somebody $50, and you'll get 300 acres of land with a billion cows on it. That's not interesting to me. All I ever hear about is, oh, Texas, it's great. There's no income taxes, Texas, Texas, Texas. It's good to know that there are reasons not sure. to want to live in Texas. And then, besides and more and then obvious. the
2: instant... The instant that you get winter weather, like not just Mm as the city shut down, the state power grid shuts down because it wasn't built Mm -hmm. to handle it. And, oh, we can't have regulations. You want to put rules around how we can conduct Mm -hmm. our business to make money? No, that is not the American way. That's not the Texas way. I don't care if homeless people are going to freeze in the streets and we're going to have to send the police to collect their corpses afterward. No, that's Mm -hmm. not worth the 10% extra profit that i brought home last year Ugh! i know i said i wouldn't get political but and this is like two months old there's been like three or four things since then that i could bring up but i'm not going to
0: yeah i feel like trying to get out of here with texas because my dad's over in fort hood right now and every time he tells me it's like it's he does mention it's hot this is ridiculous like (laughs) i can't do it and this is a man that grew up on a caribbean island and he's like no this Mm -hmm. is too hot for me I can't do this.
1: <laughs> is, is it like, so my final Texas question before we move on, is it like other like desert-y places where it gets cold at night? Like like the, or does it really not cool down all that much overnight?
2: Out West it does. We took a road trip during quarantine just because we needed to get out of the house and we just took a road trip through the desert. I think we visited Carl's Bad Caverns in New Mexico, which was very cool. I highly recommend it. Um, usually though, like in this, like in Austin is right, like, at the point where the terrain changes from like plains and rolling fields to like hills and then further west you get it gets to the desert it gets cold at night in the desert but around here like it stays maybe like 15 degrees cooler than it was during the day so the, the heat is very real
1: yeah alright Texas sucks that's I'm making the final verdict I'm done hearing about Texas Now was the greatest city <laughs> or greatest state to exist in the Union Thank you, Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, you got yes.
0: No more Texas talk. We're going to move forward to our final part. The predictions for this week, three games. So Monday, they are at home against the Suns to Thursday. Sorry, Thursday. They're home against the Sixers and Saturday home against the Sixers. So Riley prediction, how will the Bucks do this week?
1: They will go um, two and one. They will lose against the Suns um, because Devin Booker is very good at manipulating defenses and will probably get uh, slammed there. I am hoping against hope that they'll stand up and they will show the world that we are not worse than the Sixers because I do not. And hopefully Joel Embiid is able to play. uh, Hopefully everybody's fully healthy, everything like that. And we are able to wax the Sixers. I hope they win the two games against the Sixers.
0: All right, Mitchell.
2: I I would not so there's how many different outcomes are there. They could go 3 and 0, they can go 0 3. They can go 1 and 2, they can go 2 and 1. And obviously there's a mixture for like which games they drop mm-hmm. in the middle there. I wouldn't be shocked by any of them, right? So this team is good enough to go 3 and 0, right? The Bucks are good enough that they can go 3 and 0. They can beat the Suns who low key are kind of sorta like the Bucks in that they came out of nowhere. That had like this dominant season because of a new addition. In this case, you know Chris Paul, not a new coach and a new system. But like, I don't know if I can trust the Suns in the playoffs or not. Maybe I think the Suns are good. I don't know if they're actually going to make it to the finals, especially in the West. And then the Sixers, like, I don't like the Sixers. I don't have any love for Philadelphia. But especially now that Embiid is healthy again, like, they're good. They're really good. So I'm going to say I'm going to say one and two. I think they split the series against Philly, and I think they do drop it to Phoenix. And I think that everybody, myself included, is going to have a full-on temper tantrum about it at the week's end.
1: I think to me, we can safely declare anybody who lives in Philadelphia, Bucks fan, Sixers fan, whoever you are, it's just it's not enough. If you're living in Philly and you're listening to this podcast and you co-manage a website about the Bucks, what are you doing in Philly? You need to get out of Philly. That's what I would give advice to Bucks fans in Philadelphia. Get out of Philly ASAP.
0: Oh God, <laughs> um, I'm going to say two and one as well. I think they beat the Suns. It's going to be close. I I am terrified of the Suns, not because like they're that much better, but they just have guys that each like they each have guys that could just hurt you whether it's Chris Paul whether it's Devin Booker Tory Craig revenge game perhaps I don't know you know they, <laughs> I forgot they about just, that like Jay Crowder might hit like eight threes out of nowhere Miles Bridges McCall Bridges sorry McCall Bridges might do something like they just have guys that can hurt you I still think they win but it's going to be called oh yeah they still have Frank Kaminsky so like they just have a bunch of guys that it's just like I can see one of them having, like, 30 points and pissing me the fuck off. Like, I can see that happening. But they'll win that one. They'll split the Sixers games because I feel like there's going to be some game where one of the two teams just plays ridiculously terrible. We've seen it now. We saw the yeah. Bucks play terrible in the first half against the Sixers. And then in the second half, the Sixers played terrible. I think there's going to be a whole game of that. Whether I think Milwaukee or Philly will have a game where they're just absolute ass. And the other team yeah. will take advantage of it. I'll say two and one. I don't know which of the two they're going to win. Honestly, just win the one that everyone's watching. So I guess the Saturday one, because I think that I think they're both on national TV. So just win the one that's on national TV. So I don't have to hear about
2: it. Yeah. Honestly, though, and, th- and I don't know if this is a question or just a comment. Regardless of the outcome of these two Philly games, which matters. It does matter to a certain extent. I don't care about seeding. I've already given up on seed. Like the Bucs could get the first seed. I don't care. Maybe they get the first seed and make it easier on themselves. Maybe they don't. They stay stuck at third. Whatever. They're gonna take on whoever. I still don't super fear Philly in the playoffs the same way I fear Brooklyn. Like, I don't I don't see any reason why the Bucs can't beat Philly in a seven game series. It'll probably go to six or seven games because Philly is good. But I don't I think that the Bucs can overcome them.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of the opposite where Philly, I can feel like Philly would be more difficult because I feel like Brooklyn, they still can't defend anyone. And if things, it's more of a, can you limit Kyrie? If you can get bad Kyrie, you have a very good chance of winning a seven game series against Brooklyn because bad Kyrie will sabotage everything. I don't think you're going to get bad KD. I think Harden's going to be, he's going to get his numbers. But if Kyrie's terrible, you can win that. You can win that a lot easier, and they can't defend. Philly, I feel like, if even if Embiid is bad, they still have other guys that are going to do stuff. Like I'm not worried about Ben Simmons, but I'm worried about Ben Simmons' defense enough that it's going to cause annoyance. Maybe it gets on Chris Milton, and then yeah. crap just falls apart.
2: Yeah.
0: But Bucks. I think the Bucks can still beat both of them.
1: I don't care if it's the Miami Heat. I don't care if it's Brooklyn. I don't care if it's Philadelphia. I don't care. I'm, I will care if it's Memphis in the finals because we will lose that finals. But Bucks fans, if you're listening, if you're scared, go to church. Uh, Steven Jackson was wrong about everything, but he was right about that. If you're scared, go to church. Not to this podcast, not tune into the games, go to church.
0: And with that, we will end the episode. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure to like, subscribe, share it on your individual podcast feeds uh, make sure to check up brewhoop.com for all the articles that are coming out and follow us on twitter at brewhoop but until then thanks for listening and we will see you next time